Acts chapter 1. God's plan for Lighthouse Baptist Church. Now, this isn't going to happen next week. This ought to be our ongoing, you know, a lot of people call it today vision. What you have, your goals. Uh, this ought to be, this ought to be the plan for every Baptist church. Acts chapter 1 verse 1 says, The former treatise have I made O Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, being assembled together with them and commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Judea and Samaria, under the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love for us. Thank you for your blessings to Lighthouse Baptist Church. And thank you for this body of Christ. And I pray that you would help us to look into the scriptures this afternoon. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and challenge us as to our part our faithfulness and doing, fulfilling the tasks that you've given us to do, not only as individuals, but as a body of Christ, that we bring glory and honor to thee and reach the lost and dying world all around us, the fields that are ready for harvest, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, verse 1 tells us here that of all that Jesus began, now, automatically, what that tells us is that it's not finished. It's not finished. In other words, his work is to continue on. Now, he's going to do that work through those whom he has chosen. If you notice in verse 2, it still is until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he had, through the Holy Ghost, given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So they were to continue on the work which he had started. And so they were, begin, they were to do what he had begun to do and teach. So as you think about the purpose for the church, not just Lighthouse Baptist Church, but we're going to think about Lighthouse Baptist Church. Gonna, you know, if our, our concern is not what other churches do. That's their business. But our concern needs to be, what do we do? It does concern me what other churches do. It's not that I don't care. But it's not my responsibility. Um, but I am responsible. We are responsible for what we do. And that's what we need to be most concerned about. What did Jesus do and what did he teach? Well, 
the purpose of the church, of a church, uh, is that we are to glorify God. Now, that's, that's a general purpose. You know, any church of the Lord ought to glorify God, and, and the Lord Jesus did that. In John eight twenty nine, it says, And he that sent me is with me, the Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. In John 17 and verse 1, <clears throat> and he said, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever you do. He's writing this to the church of Corinth. So whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I want to testimony what my wife said about everything that's done here is done well. You know, whatever we do as God's children, we ought to do well. We, we, when I pastored Maine, there were quite a few people in our church that worked at the McDonald's in Lincoln. And I said to them, and I challenged them continually, a lot of them were young people, and some of them were, uh, there's a couple of the ladies there that worked there as well, and I said, I said, that ought to be the most proficient and efficient McDonald's around. One of them, one of them was a manager. Uh, there was an older couple that became janitors there. And, 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 the, and, 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 you know, I told them, you know, you need to put in, you need to work when you're there, put in an honest, earn an honest hour's wage, and, and you ought to do your work as, as to the best of your ability. And that, that owner... The owner said that he had four McDonald's and this was his best one. That was his model to all the others. And I think it was, it was to the credit, to the testimony of these people, there was about, I don't know, six or seven of them. There's quite a few from our church that worked at this McDonald's. Um, and they never worked Sundays or Wednesdays. Because uh, everybody else, you know, one day's off certain times, so they work around that. Anyhow, but, you know, we, whatever we do ought to glorify God. The church is to glorify God. In Ephesians chapter 3, Verses 20 and 21, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Um, Paul writing the church at Ephesus says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, throughout all ages, with that world without end, Amen. So there ought to all be, always be glory in the church. Now, the, the natural tendency of churches is what? What's the natural tendency? It's to drift. It's to drift into compromise. Because churches are made up with, of human beings. So the natural tendency of churches is to compromise, and of course that leads to apostasy. You know, Think about all the churches that are recorded for us in the Bible. Where are they? I mean, we even know that the church of Jerusalem was apostatizing before the New Testament was complete, according to the book of Hebrews. They were going into apostasy. They were falling away. Um, so that's a natural tendency. The church at Ephesus, which was a strong church during New Testament times, it, and, and, and the Lord Jesus is addressing them in, in Revelation 2.4 says, Thou hast left thy first love. You know, he commended them for many things, but they had left their first love. There was not the, the devotion, the fervency, the un uninhibited honeymoon love that they once had for the Lord. 
One, one writer said this, quote, We can be so busy maintaining our separation that we forget our adoration, unquote. And that's what the church of Ephesus was. I mean, they, they had tried them or apostles and found, found them liars. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, so there was, a, there was a doctrinal test you had to really pass to, to, to minister at the church of Ephesus. I mean, they were doctrinally straight. But they said, you've left your first love. They lacked their devotion. They were doing all that out of habit and routine. And so we must have both. So if we're going to continue as a church to glorify God, we have to, first of all, we have to earnestly contend for the faith. You know, Jude 1.3 says, Beloved, when I go all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now you would think, you know, Jesus was crucified, what, 33 A.D., and Jude... Uh, was written, uh, I think according to the, the dates in the Bible, maybe around 60 A.D., you would think that in 30 years you wouldn't have to say, come on, you guys, you need to earnestly contend for the faith. I mean, the churches hadn't been around that long. But already Jude says, you know, I was planning to write about the common salvation, but the Spirit of God directed me and said, you need to earnestly contend. Paul said in Acts 20, 20 and 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know, if we're going to earnestly contend, and you know, her testimonies, and one of the things, and I appreciate it about this church from, from early days on, is that we examine the scriptures. We're, we're not afraid to tear apart those things that can be controversial and examine them. You know, if a church is going to remain faithful and glorify the Lord, for duration, it has to do that. It has to do that. You know, Paul said, I, 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 was, I, didn't, I didn't hold back from giving you anything that pertains to life and godliness. And Peter tells us we have all those things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, 2 Peter 1.3. So we have in the Bible, you know, in the Bible there's... The, the Bible addresses every issue that man or woman will face in this life. You know, it goes back to a matter of will we properly identify it, as I mentioned this morning. Will we be willing to? You know, all the social problems in our society can be answered from the scriptures. You know, there's a simple answer for welfare. In fact, I, I was reading this and I was kind of encouraged. I'm not sure I need to do more reading about it. That this DACA thing. Let's get into politics here a little bit, because it applies here. This, you know, sending the children these 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 little little illegal immigrant children that are here. You know, Trump first client said we need to send them back. Well, our senator from our state, I don't remember his name, just went out the window. Uh, Tillis Tillis had an art had an article. He said he said that that's for Congress to do, which is right. Congress should be deciding this. That's, that's constitutionally right. It shouldn't have been done, first of all, by an executive order. Obama did. But anyway, anyway, he said, you know, his conclusion was, you let, if, if we let them stay, they have, to, they have to get an education. They have to learn American ways. They have to spend some time in the military. And I thought, you know, this, is, this maybe wouldn't be too bad. 
I don't think they should stay here to start with. They're here illegally. But, but if that's what they're going to do, you know, there's, you know, there is an answer to welfare. Put them to work. Quit giving them money. If you, if you become in hard times, you, you make yourself a servant to somebody until you can get back on your feet and learn to be responsible. That's what they did in the Old Testament. That's what slaves did. You became a slave because you were careless or you fell in hard times. So you made yourself a slave to somebody and you worked for them. But the, the time was, you know, they were to be a slave for seven years and that gave them time to learn to be responsible. See, every, every issue in life can be answered from the Scriptures if we're willing to examine it. So there needs to, we, need, we need to be willing to earnestly contend for the faith. We need to be willing to examine everything in life according to the Scriptures. Secondly, of course, there needs to be a genuine love for the Lord. If we're going to continue to glorify the Lord, there has to be this genuine love. You know, the greatest commandment is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all thy mind. In John 14, John 14, and verses 23 and 24, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If any man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and will make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. Now the word keep here in verse 23 means to guard or to keep an eye on. It's the idea. You're keeping your eye on it. So it's, the idea is not only obeying it, but to cherish it as valuable. To preserve something, it's like the idea of preserving something of value, something that you consider of worth or of importance in your life. See, we need, we need to consider God's word, have a love for it, and, that we, and, and, and to keep it, and that we consider it something of value, something of importance, something we are devoted to. We have devotion for it. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. See, we want to have a hunger and a thirst or a devotion to the Word of God. A love for it. And, and, and John here, or, uh, the Lord here tells us that if we have that love, the Father will come and make our abode. We will come and make our abode with Him. So the Lord will abide with us. He will, he will fellowship with us if we have that genuine love, that devotion for the love. For the Lord. So that's our purpose, is to glorify Him. And, and of course, we do that by earnestly contending and, and having a genuine love for the Lord. Secondly, the program for the church. Verse eight, or verse 1 again. The former treatise have begun, made oath the offices of all that thou, Jesus, began both to do and teach. And drop over to verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both. Notice the word both. In Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. So the program for the church is to multiply itself. It's to multiply itself. To reproduce itself. You know, even before we moved here, I was talking to Brother Green one day, and I remember saying, you know, he was talking about, you know, we need to, we need to start a, you want to start a church. And I said, you know, we ought to, we, we need to start, we need to, when we get to the church, we ought to start other churches. You know, and that's been, that was his goal, and that's 
my goal has been that way from the day on. Like, I intend to stay here. I told you that this morning. That wasn't my intention to stay here. Uh, but the Lord had other ideas, and I'm thankful I did. But, uh, but you know, that, that, was the, that is the pattern in the book of Acts. That's the pattern that God gives us in the book of Acts. Uh, look at chapter 8. Chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. You know, here, here in, in chapter 1, verse 8, he said that there be witnesses, both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Now, how is the church at Jerusalem supposed to be witness in, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world? Earth. Well, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. Then went Philip down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Chapter 9, verse 30. And when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea. Notice, all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So these people that were that were driven out because of persecution, the stoning of Stephen, they went everywhere preaching the gospel, and churches were started. They said, now there's churches in Judea, there's churches in Galilee, and there's churches in Samaria. Verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas, Someone was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass, wait a minute here. Um, I think I'm in the wrong verse. Drop down to, drop down to, verse, to chapter, um, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse here. Chapter 30, uh, verse 32, I'm sorry, go to verse 32. And it came to pass, as Peter passed through all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. So there was a church at Lydda. And then uh, there was also a church at Joppa, verse 36. And then in chapter 10, of course, it talks about Peter taking the gospel to Cornelius at Caesarea. And then in chapter 11, verses 19 through 22, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen. So again, these are the people that were scattered from the church of Jerusalem that, that went into all Judea. And it says here, they traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word none to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Syene, which when they came to Antioch, or come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. So, they, uh, and, and then verse 21, 22, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. These, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which sat to Jerusalem, where they originally came from. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So these believers that were scattered went everywhere and they came as far as Antioch. And when the church of Jerusalem heard about it, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And, uh, but all these churches and the church at Antioch was started by people from the church in Jerusalem. Then what happened at Antioch? Chapter 13. You see, this is the way it's supposed to be. 
It shouldn't have to be, well, we wait till we get driven out. You know, I've heard a lot of preachers say, and I think there's some truth to it, the church at Jerusalem didn't go until they were driven out. They didn't go until they were driven out. But here, chapter 13, they aren't driven out, they're thrown out. No, they're sent out. But that word, that word sent has the idea of thrust out. It says, Now there were in a church that was in Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, it was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein to have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed on Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus, and you know the rest of the story. Paul and Barnabas start on a missionary journey. Sorry, church, at the church, at the church, at the church. Where did these people come from? Where did, how did it all start? It started from Jerusalem. And they reproduced themselves and reached into Antioch. And then from Antioch, some of them went out from Antioch and continued that progression. They go into Asia Minor. They go into Europe, parts of Europe, places like Thessalonica, of whom it is written in 1 Thessalonica, first, uh, Thessalonica, yeah. first Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 and 8 through 8, it says this, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word, sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God would have spread abroad, so we need not speak anything. So they, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they went to Thessalonica, and, and of course in a lot of other places, and Thessalonica started going to other places. You see, they continued to reproduce themselves. You see, we're, we are commanded, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, commands us to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world. And it says, you know, after you reach Jerusalem, then after that you reach Judea. No, it doesn't say that. It says both. Now, to do that, it requires a love for the Lord demonstrated by giving of ourselves to Him. You know, the word, the word love, the Greek word, that often translated for, from is agape, really has the idea of giving, of giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. So as we think about reaching Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world, it's gonna, it requires a love for the Lord demonstrated by giving. Now, there's several areas of giving as we think about giving. We need to give to the church to reach its own area. You know, when we say Jerusalem, we'd say Rollsville and this surrounding area. That's what we would compare it to. You know, that all takes, that takes finances. It takes time. So there needs to be giving of finances. There needs to be giving of time, of labor. Uh, to reach other parts that, that we won't come, some of us will not come in contact with. You know, we, we, of course, through missions, giving to missions, you know, we partner with other churches to reach into Taiwan, Russia, Greenland, 
Portugal, Mexico, New England, Maine, and the Arctic regions. I want you to think about something. You know, we're small. Considered to a lot of churches. But John 14, verse 12, Jesus makes a statement. He says, He that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Our little church is doing greater work than Jesus did. Let me ask you something. What was the sphere of while Jesus is on earth? I'm talking about while Jesus is on earth. What was the sphere of his influence? Did he ever leave the land of Israel? Don't think so. That was basically the sphere of his influence. You understand what the sphere of our influence is? We're reaching into Taiwan. We're reaching into Russia. We're reaching into Greenland. Pioneer Mission Field, whether they ever had the gospel. Mexico, Portugal, New England, Maine, and in the Arctic regions. Say, Brother Forney. So, is our church important? Are we having any effect? Yeah, I think we are. And you know, as we, our influence goes into those areas and people are reached there, then those people will, will multiply and reach into other areas that we cannot go. So it requires giving of our finances, our time, our labor, uh, to the work of the Lord of the, the at the church level and of course missions as we give it to missions it also requires giving of labors to go uh, here in Acts chapter 13 of course Barnabas and Saul are set aside and they are sent out and that word sent out again the meaning there is they it was thrust out they were sent out by the Holy Ghost you know we need to we need to be praying for the Lord to send labors into his harvest that's what we're commanded to do Jesus said, pray ye the Lord of harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. For some, that may mean moving. It may mean giving up temporal pursuits. It may mean that you don't live close to your family. You know, it may mean personal sacrifice. That's what it means when it means to count the costs. But we, we, but if we have this, we have this love for the Lord, this devotion, this first love, we'll be willing to count the costs. We'll rejoice in that. And it will not be unrewarded. You know, Matthew 19, 29 says, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, 
for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. You know, I don't know who, but there may be. There may come a point in time where somebody has, somebody will go. You know, I thought for a, while, for a long time that I, I was going to go. I wanted to go. But the Lord had other, other ideas. Thankful he didn't answer that prayer. You know, we need to be willing to go if the Lord so chooses. So it requires of us giving. And really it boils down to a giving of ourselves. Everything that we have. You know, I have a thing wrote in my Bible. David Livingston said this. If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? You know, oftentimes we say, well, it's a real sacrifice to go to the mission field. Is it really? As an ambassador, if somebody was a, appointed as the ambassador to Taiwan by the president, they'd consider that an honor. Why do we consider the sacrifice to be an ambassador for Lighthouse Baptist Church to go to Taiwan? So, that's the plan. That's the program, is to multiply ourselves. You know, part of that is families, too. You know, and, and, and some people have said this, oh, we can't afford to lose anything. We can't afford to send anybody out. Hey, cannot God replace? If we're faithful in sending out those that Lord chooses, cannot God Fill in the void. We need to trust him to do that. That's again where faith comes in. All right, third thing. I said this wasn't going to take long. It's taking longer than I thought. God's desire to practice for his church. God's desire to practice for his church is simply this. Participation from everyone. That's really rather simple, isn't it? Participation from everyone. God wants all of us to participate. You know, that we labor together with Him and bring glory to Him in reaching the lost. You know, whether it be cleaning the church, mowing the lawn, maintaining the building, taking care of the finances, teaching, uh, using your mu musical talent to edify in song. Uh, you know, prayer warriors. I think one of the great things lacking in churches today is prayer warriors. Givers, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 is all about stop your division, work together like a body. You know, my body works together. That's why I can walk. That's why I can work. That's why I can run. But you know, when my body parts start breaking down, I mean, if I break a leg, that's going to affect the rest of my body. 
So God wants the church, the body of Christ, to function like our physical body, in unison, together, every part. Now, there are some parts that we see more than others, but they're all important. I mean, how important is your hair, really? It's not that important. But if, if you ladies didn't comb your hair and we had a visitor come in here this morning, what would they think of us? Your first impressions are lasting ones, right? They probably wouldn't come back. That's a bunch of ragamuffins at Lighthouse Baptist Church, you know. Oh, about them women over there looked like they just crawled out of bed and came to church, you know. Of course it's important. Even if it's just appearance, it's important. There are things that are not seen that are important. You know, so First so Corinthians 12 is all about, you know, stop your division, work together like a body, like a body of Christ. First Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. The word particular means a part due or assigned to one. One of the constituent parts of a whole. You know, God has a place for you. God has something for you to do. And whether it seems important or not, do it to the best of your ability. That's what makes a church function. And the, the Lord will reward you for your faithfulness in whatever part, even if it seems so insignificant, you do. You know, when I was, I shared this with the young people at the last Friday morning at the camp. When I was growing up on the farm, you know, I watched Dad, you know, driving the tractor, and he would show me different things about driving the tractor and, and doing different things. And the more things I learned, the more things Dad found for me to do. The more useful I became to him. But it was all based upon the more I learned. And the more that I was put an effort forth to learn. You didn't learn a lot of it just by observation. But dad found plenty for me to do. You know, if you apply yourself to the word of God, being obedient to the word, faithful to his body, the Lord will find something for you to do. He'll find something for you to do. Every, every person is important. Every person is particular, has a part, do or a sign. You know, Peter was chosen out of all the twelve to be the first pastor after the Lord Jesus, the church of Jerusalem. I mean, there was John there, there was James there, there was, you know, all these. Could have been, but Peter was chosen. Um, but everyone had a part and was important. So God has a plan for Lighthouse Baptist Church. He wants us to reproduce ourselves, not only in Taiwan, but here. You know, we're not ready yet. But I'm hoping in not too far distant future we were able to start another church somewhere not too far away. 
So he has a plan. And his desire is that you have part in that plan. He wants you to participate. You know, will you let him? Will you allow him? Will you yield yourself to him? Allow him to use you in whatever capacity he deems fit. Whatever capacity he chooses to see Lighthouse Baptist Church multiply itself here or around the world. So God has a plan for us. The question is, will you be part of the plan? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word this afternoon. Thank you for the encouragement, the challenge it gives to us. And Lord, I pray that you help us as a body of believers to work together as a body that we might fulfill your plan and purpose for us. We might serve you acceptably with reverence and godly fear in this day and time which we're living. So Lord, help us not to be discouraged, but help us to keep focused and just simply do as you have commanded, just putting one step before another, walking with you by faith. Pray in Jesus' name.